Sun. The world is talking. World Talk Radio. Studio A. Our guest today is with the Civil War Preservation Trust. We'll find out what's the most single most threatened Civil War site in America when we return on Civil War Talk Radio. Hey y'all, this is Stephen Cochran. As a country artist, I have traveled around this great country of ours, often meeting our brave men and women in uniform. And as a Marine and veteran of both the Iraq and Afghan conflict, I know how important it is to thank our troops who defend our freedom each and every day. One of the best ways to thank them is to give their children and spouses the gift of education. Scholarships for two years, four years, and vocational school. This is exactly what a national charity, Thanks USA, does. Please go to their website, www.thanksusa.org, to make a generous donation to the Thanks USA Scholarship Fund for the families of the troops, and I thank you. You're listening to World Talk Radio, Studio A. Welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking today with the Communications and Policy Director from the Civil War Preservation Trust. His name is Jim Campy, and we've been discussing the preservation movement, the uh, wonderful efforts of the Civil War Preservation Trust to preserve Civil War battlefields, some of the victories, some of the defeats in preservation over the years. If you want to support or just learn more about this organization, please go to www.civilwar.org and find out more about what's going on with the uh, Civil War uh, preservation movement. In, uh, in our last segment, we talked about some of the uh, places that are, are where successful preservation is taking place, like Bentonville, North Carolina. Uh, Jim, what is the uh, the number one uh, place on your list today that, that is most under threat of, of being developed or, or lost to history? Well, I think it would be tough to come up with just one at this point, but... Um... I would say certainly one of the biggest uh, battlefield preservation defeats that we have suffered in the past 10 years just occurred last month uh, when the Frederick County Virginia Board of Supervisors voted, uh, I believe the vote was uh, uh, four to three, uh, to allow expansion, uh, expansion of a mining operation onto uh, additional battlefield land. Uh, in fact, uh, some of the mining is going into the area where the famous counter, Union counterattack occurred that decided the battle. Um, so it really was a, uh, just a mind-boggling vote. I mean, here's a, a situation where you've got uh, one of the most important battlefields of the Civil War. So from a tourism perspective, perspective this is uh, what you want. You've got some of the most famous names of the Civil War fought there. Um, and a considerable amount of public opposition to the mining operation. Uh, but unfortunately, that was improved at the end of May. And uh, we continue to work with uh, local and national groups to try to mitigate the damage, but uh, a really, really unfortunate situation. This is the Cedar Creek battlefield? Yes, that's correct. And uh, I saw in one of your news releases that uh, there was there's a a local Civil War interest group that apparently 
the, from the looks of things, seems to have been bought off by the uh, mining interests. Uh, well, I, I'd like to paraphrase a, a former president uh, about the what we call the Thirteenth Commandment, which is "Thou not shall not uh, disparage another preservation group." Uh, uh, so, uh, you know, I won't put you on fire at this point, but we certainly are disappointed. Well, if uh, from what my reading online indicates, um, a group has received uh, uh, gifts of land from a mining company and at the same time has stopped opposing the mining company's operations on or near the battlefield, so listeners can draw their own conclusions from that. Um, but that is certainly an unfortunate uh, turn of events, and we hope uh, we hope there aren't many more of those uh, like that, that people will recognize the importance of preserving these places. What... Um, one thing I would mention to Jerry is that's so important in these preservation fights is that the preservation groups have to work together. Uh, you know, the truth in most of these preservation fights, it's the eighth or ninth inning. We're behind by a few runs. If we don't work together for uh, like a team, uh, then we're going to lose. And um, you know, here's a situation where uh, not everybody was working together as a team. Uh, that is unfortunate. I hope people will try to see the big picture. It's also uh, something we're thinking about. That, as you say, the decision was made by uh, local county supervisors, and this is how most of these decisions get made at the very low level, and it's, it's really local involvement more than anything else that can sway, uh, sway these decisions. If, if the friends and neighbors speak up, uh, the people who will vote for, for the constituents of, of these local supervisors, uh, that's what will really get their ear. But uh, it, it is unfortunate when these things happen. What about, um, I mean, obviously preservation has also had some great successes. Uh, when you mentioned uh, at the beginning of the show the, the battles of the 90s, the, uh, the famous battle at Manassas, the third battle of Manassas, uh, not 1861 or 62, but I think 1995, uh, when the Disney company planned to put up a park near the battlefield that would simulate the Civil War within spitting distance of the actual uh, battleground and bring all the attendant traffic and uh, general uh, trauma to the area. That proposal was defeated by a national outcry. Uh, the, the whole nation really spoke up, and, and Disney is not easily defeated, uh, but they, they chose not to go ahead with that. So there are some major victories in the preservation uh, story, are there not? Absolutely, and, and the, the fight uh, against Disney and Manassas is certainly one of them, although ironically, um, you know, much of that land later was developed uh, where Disney wanted to put their theme park. It was just done in, uh, you know, less profile developments, you know, smaller chunks, but much of that is gone today. Um, but obviously, even combined, it would have had the impact of a, a Disney America that it was, a pro, was proposed back then. Um, but there have been other uh, big victories, too. We had a big victory against the development of Chancellorsville back in 2003, and there we were actually able to save the land. We didn't just defeat the um, mini-metropolis proposal, as we called it, that was planned for part of the battlefield. We actually got in there and were able to protect some of the land. And a couple of years ago, the famous Slaughter Pen Farm on the Fredericksburg battlefield was put up for sale. Um, in fact, it was 
being called one of the, 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 the best commercial properties in Virginia. It had a, an airport next to it, a railroad, uh, a river nearby. Um, you know, the only thing you couldn't do there was launch a satellite. Um, but we were able to get in there, uh, work out a deal, and for $12 million, we're able to save this battlefield where 5,000 men uh, became casualties. Well, that, that's it, it's good to know of those things. I remember uh, in, in my former career as a museum historian, I remember uh, the fundraiser, the development director there, telling me one day, uh, Jerry, people don't give to needy causes. They give to successful causes. And we portrayed ourselves as a successful museum, uh, which we were in those days. Uh, and, and it worked, and, and people... I know we'll be cheered to hear of the, the many successes of the preservation movement as well. The, uh, is there a possibility of too much success in the sense uh, that a battlefield, uh, an unknown battlefield was identified, preserved from having a 7-Eleven built on it, uh, and then so many people come and show up that, that uh, it becomes overrun? Can anything like that ever happen? Uh, you know, I think that there's a small risk of that, but uh, there's so much out there that needs to be protected. I mean, the, the job um, of preserving all these battlefields is so enormous. We're never going to be able to protect uh, all of them or come even close. So, um, you know, I don't think, uh, you know, ultimately um, we're going to have to worry about that situation. Um, I think, well, I guess I think of it in, in the sense of uh, one of my favorite battlefields to visit uh, for many years has been uh, Perryville in Kentucky, uh, which, when I first saw it, was just completely undeveloped, uh, unprotected, but, but undeveloped. It's in the middle of nowhere. And uh, the battlefield looked very much as it did in October 1862. Uh, it, you couldn't walk on it because it was all still being farmed. It was in private hands. And there was a small state parcel that was owned. I think there was no national... Uh, participation there at all at the time. As the Civil War boom went on through the 80s and 90s, uh, more people visited the place, and as more people visit, uh, suddenly it becomes less the middle of nowhere. Uh, and, and my understanding now is there has been some state uh, action to protect more of the land there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if your organization has, has have you been involved with Perryville? Uh, yes, now? we have. I, I, believe, I don't know the exact number, but I think about half of the land there protected has been protected by, in part by CWPT. And, and that's, that's very good news. Um, it, it, I guess it, it struck me as a place that was hiding in plain sight. It was uh, because it was so unprotected, unmonumented, unmarked, it was just sitting there as, as it had for all these years. There are places like that in rural North Carolina, uh, here in the eastern part of the state, where you can be driving along and suddenly realize, hey, they fought here in 65. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just still the same plantation look. But eventually, uh, you know, things, you can't count on that staying that way forever. Uh, if we don't act and protect those places, they, they will be developed and, and disappear. What is your favorite uh, battlefield site, personally? Oh, it's a tough one. Uh, Antietam was always one of my favorites growing up because it's such a pristine battlefield. You really feel like you're uh, transported back into 1862 when you visit uh, that battlefield. But um, we have done so much preservation work in, uh, in Spotsylvania County that I find Chancellorsville, just because of my own personal involvement there, has become my favorite. Plus, I'm a big Robert E. Lee fan. 
Well, we can let that go. I'm you know, Yankee descent <laughs> from, from Michigan, but but not a descendant of anyone from that era, so I don't take it too personally. Um, well, that's having a personal involvement certainly would give give a sense of. Uh, of, of ownership, which, uh, to put one more plug in, any of our listeners can get by donating to the Civil War Preservation Trust at uh, civilwar.org. You can uh, uh, metaphorically buy yourself a piece of the Civil War by contributing to this effort that keeps people from from uh, building convenience stores on battlefields. Now, we, we used the word lobbyist earlier, which uh, you know is not a popular word in American political culture. Um, can can our listeners be assured that if they donate to your organization, uh, they will not see Jim Campy in a new three-piece suit next week? Uh, <laughs> yeah, our uh, especially contributions to our fundraising appeals, and there's quite a few of them up on our website, including the Bentonville one. That money goes direct to buying dirt. Uh, it does not go to overhead. It does not go to pay anybody's salary. Um, so you can feel very comfortable about that. The other thing I, I would mention, too, um, we have a reputation for matching people's money. Uh, on average, we, may, we turn every dollar that's donated into us into $4. Uh, and in the case of our Bentonville appeal, uh, the match is something like $7.72 to one. So um, that's quite a deal if you're interested in contributing to, to land preservation. Well, that, that uh, you know moves me to take some of my meager taxpayer-funded salary here in North Carolina and, and see if I can't turn some of it around to the Bentonville battlefield because that is certainly a worthy uh, a worthy thing uh, to keep going. One one thing, and we're running out of time, so but I don't want to fail to ask this. Um, one of the the new things in in preservation is the the, the viewshed concept, I guess, I don't know how new it is. It seems relatively new, perhaps. The idea that it's not just protecting the land, but protecting what you can see from the land. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyone who's been to Gettysburg in the last uh, couple of years knows the Park Service has done wonderful things there, uh, you know, 10 years ago, burying all the utility lines so that you no longer uh, imagine pickets troops charging around telephone poles and uh, more recently cutting down trees that had grown up since the battle and, and making it look uh, more as it did. And most important of all, destroying the, uh, the, the tower, the observation tower built in the early 70s that dominated the, the view from any point on the battlefield at, at Gettysburg. No matter where you were, you could always see the dang tower sticking up there, uh, reminding you that this was not 1863 until uh, finally that was uh, uh, purchased. I think eminent domain was used to, to obtain and destroy the tower. Uh, is this a concept that, that is becoming more significant, that, that it doesn't do too much good to preserve 10 square feet if there's a skyscraper next door? Yeah, it's, uh, in fact, I think, you know, thanks to the work of Superintendent John Latcher at Gettysburg National Military Park, Landscape restoration and protection of view shed has become a far bigger priority than it used to be. And, you know, we mentioned a few minutes ago uh, one of my favorite battlefields, Antietam. And I think the reason you get this feeling that you're transformed back in time, because it does look like it did in 1862. If you look out towards South Mountain, you know, you see what um, the Union and Confederate forces saw. So I think it's very important. And also, uh, instances like 
at Gettysburg where they're um, restoring the, the the tree line at Devil's Den. You you know there again you get to see what actual the soldiers actually saw during the battle, and it helps uh, helps people that are visiting the site to to understand it better because most average visitors when they go to these places think they're seeing what the soldiers thought saw, and um, and since interpretation is so difficult to begin with, you don't want to complicate it by giving them a view. Uh, that's different than the 1860s. Well, that, that's uh, one of many successes then in the preservation and, and reinterpretation story. Uh, Jim, we are out of time all too soon, but I want to thank you very much for being on the show. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate it. Listeners, I want to remind you to go to www.civilwar.org, home of the Civil War Preservation Trust. Learn more about this important uh, organization and uh, consider sending your dollars their way. It's time for our summer break. We'll have rerun shows for the next few months, but we'll be back in August 2008 with more live shows on Civil War Talk Radio. So listeners, until then, have a good summer and thank you for listening to Civil War Talk Radio. listening to World Talk Radio, Studio A.